Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Dr. Cairo, in the novel and in the play, which you are familiar with, and serving as moderator uh, for our event at Transylvania University, Democracy and the Informed Citizen, what themes did you uh, recognize, the topics, uh, the relevancy of what uh, Robert Penn Warren was writing about in the, uh, in the 40s, even earlier than that, uh, and how he put all that together in All the King's Men, and how that's relevant and applicable to today? Well, I think that uh, Robert Penn Warren is uh, particularly timely, but it's not necessarily the novel that's timely. As you note, it's the themes. And I think most importantly, the book is about human nature. It goes past simple themes uh, about politics or a story about Willie Stark to a story about uh, what it really means to be human, how humans deal with power, uh, how we hold our leaders accountable, what the role of the follower is in these kinds of things. And this goes beyond democracy, too, to the questions of your role in a populist system might be very different than if you have a demagogic system and where the follower is. Um, holding leaders accountable goes to other themes that are in the, in the novel. Graft and corruption. Uh, obviously, Willie Stark gets his start in politics because of school construction graft. And just this weekend, we've, of course, had the New York Times release information about uh, the Trump family's tax schemes and other things related to uh, what they've done for their, for their uh, billions of dollars. And that really hits home. And it's not simply corruption here. It's questions of corruption that go beyond U.S. borders, too. And then, of course, you have the issue of journalists. And when does a journalist uh, suddenly become less objective, move from that bystander who's trying to examine information, uh, and become somebody who's an active participant in the process, supporting a candidate, perhaps manipulating information, or being a propagandist, in a sense. Uh, it raises questions about uh, what particularly in a democracy, and when we talk about civic engagement or citizen engagement, what role or responsibility a citizen has to seek out information, uh, information that goes beyond simply what they're being told, either by one candidate or another, or by a leader, or for that matter, by any one news source in the process. You raise uh, several interesting uh, themes that, that I want to follow up on. And let's go first to uh, the journalism. Mm -hmm. Did you see in the novel first that uh, Jack Burden, uh, working for the newspaper, did you ever see him while he was still employed by the small uh, country uh, newspaper that he crossed the line or began to favor uh, Willie Stark? Was that evident in the novel? I Well, I, th I think... There are moments where that becomes evident. I think Jack's problem, if there's a problem for this character, is that he's almost too idealistic for a journalist. Uh, I think most journalists 
are not particularly idealistic, let's say, as they get into their career deeper, but maybe at the start, and maybe that's what it is, is this transition from idealism that he is somehow going to be able to uh, get all that information, provide the information that's necessary in a democracy, find candidates who um, are truly believable, that what they say they really mean. And in the beginning, uh, Willie Stark is somebody that you can look at and say, he's not just out for himself, he's out for the common good. But then it gets into the questions of what happens as that changes. Uh, Jack starts out with this idealism that I think gets transformed over time because he knows too much. And maybe that's another theme there, that, you know, information is power, but information can also be very um, overwhelming for humans in a way. I think it's worth noting that when Jack left the paper and went to, with Willie, or at least quit the paper, yeah. he and his uh, editor uh, had a disagreement over coverage. Oh, yeah. And uh, that in itself, whether or not Jack at that point had uh, had crossed over to the uh, to the dark side or to the f the side of favoring Willie, his editor apparently had made a choice, uh, had a disagreement with Jack about how to cover a story, and that's right. when. So so Jack at that time certainly demonstrated some um, some scruples, um, right, and some um, morality or ethics that that uh, he probably had practiced throughout his career. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I think you're right. Um, I think also, like I say, I think Jack's an idealist. He, he doesn't understand, let's say, how politics works. And I think if we're being honest about how politics works and how humans work, especially when they're dealing with power, um, idealism is problematic. Um, there have been so many great leaders that when you delve in too deeply past their greatness, they're not so great anymore when you start to look at it. And maybe that's a very uh, pessimistic view of leadership, but I think especially in this day and age, um, with all of the journalism that we have, and by journalism we can go to social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, let alone the the, the major networks and then other news that's out there. With all of that information coming in for a person, like I said earlier, it, 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 I think it overwhelms us with information. And the more information you know, I think the less idealist you can be about, about the system in many ways. It's a very democratic process, right? I mean, I can go out and, and, and tweet out news from my Twitter feed that I want to share, but it's also a very jaded process because I can just tweet out news from one source that I want to tell a story that I believe and I want others to believe. In your, um, your practice, your, your tenure as a political scientist, and looking back uh, and studying uh, decades of... Um, a presidential coverage, your, mm -hmm. your book on the two Bushes, yeah. uh, the father and the son, mm -hmm. uh, as well as many other uh, incidences that we all have to be reminded of. Uh, the uh, Anita Hill uh, episode came up with uh, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Yeah. But some of us 
Uh, also remember Watergate. Watergate. Really, very well. Might as well say Vietnam. And Vietnam. So how has journalism in your mind changed from even the Willie Stark, Huey Long days mm-hmm. uh, throughout this history that we just spelled out to today? Yeah. I think something that, um, and you've mentioned uh, Watergate, but I would even go a little earlier and, and stick with the 60s for a moment. Uh, the 1968 convention is a real interesting turning point because you have CBS and NBC doing their regular, what I would call very, very uh, um, staunchy, you know, not, I, I can't think of a better Stayed. word, stiff. Yeah, stiff. Stiff, uh, you know, Huntley and Brinkley reporting, right. and it was simply reporting. Here's what happened today at the convention. ABC doesn't have ratings, has less money, and what do they spend money on? They get William F. Buckley and Gore Vidal to debate after the conventions for an hour and a half or whatever it was the time that they were debating. And that debate becomes a free-for-all circus in which... Uh, the, the last debate, the 10th debate at the Democratic Convention, um, Gore Vidal calls uh, Buckley a uh, crypto-Nazi, and Buckley responds by saying, calling Gore Vidal a queer and saying he's going to sock him in the face and plaster him. <laughs> but I think there's something telling in that 1968 exchange. After that, Add to it Walter Cronkite, mired in stalemate. I thought this war was going well, and clearly, you know, we've been lied to in essence, you know, all this time. After that, news becomes much more, much less trusting, I should say, of leaders. And money gets involved because they realize that Buckley Vidal circus, boy, it brought in ratings. So I think money is what's changed media in many ways. If I can remind both of us, uh, after the most trusted man in America, Walter mm-hmm. Cronkite, made that statement, Johnson said, uh, "I'm not in, running." In one of his speeches. Well, he said, "If I've lost Walter Cronkite, Cronkite, I've lost I've lost America." Absolutely. And that's when, and that was a factor, I'm sure, in, in yeah. deciding not to run. Absolutely. So, because Cronkite was a big supporter of the war, people forget that he was he was one of the. Uh, individuals who during the news process on Vietnam was very sided toward the Johnson administration and what they were doing. Did the American public, did viewers know that though, Mm-mm. Dr. Cairo, like they like they do today? No, see I think that's that's a part of the money difference, right? You start pouring money into journalism and anybody can start up a news source. The problem we as the public, we the people have, is, well, there's a lot of problems, but one of the problems is that we're getting all this information, but not everyone is discerning that information, thinking about where the information's coming from. Some people don't even care where the information's coming from. They're getting that information and their leader says, well, that's fake news. This is the real news. This is the real story. Um, and, and it's interesting. You know, I was thinking about how Trump speaks at his rallies with how Willie Stark spoke at his, for lack of a better term, rallies. These simple catchphrases 
fake news, rigged system. He's right in a sense about those phrases. There is fake news out there. The problem is it's not the news sources he's calling out as fake news, right? They're, they're precisely the ones that in many cases he's tweeting out, Breitbart. Uh, the Rasmussen poll, which is one of the worst polls out there. You go look at Nate Silver, who, who, who looks at all these polls. One of the worst polls. But those are the things he's tweeting out and saying is real news, whereas the New York Times is fake news. Ironic, he goes to the New York Times every morning to get his news and to tweet about what he's going to tweet about, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, take the rigged system. Yes, the system is rigged. There is a 1%. Ironically the guy leading the country is part of the rigged system. So talk about those connections with the, the types of rallies that Willie Stark had and that Trump has and the kinds of language he uses to get support. It's fascinating when you start thinking of it that way. Comparing, um, it's unfair to do so, um, to compare fiction to, to fact or a real person. Well, I'd like to say the themes we're comparing, yeah. not necessarily the fiction. Well, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but even the, th it's hard to talk about uh, mm -hmm. President Trump's themes without mm -hmm. calling them Trump's uh, issues and, right. and uh, points. That's uh, fair. So you, you see in the rallies that Willie Stark had, you, you see when he was facing impeachment and what he mm -hmm. did, it leads up to the to the actual impeachment vote uh, right. the day, uh, the evening that he was uh, assassinated. Yep. Um, at that time, what did we see outside? Hordes of people yelling, Willie, Willie, Willie. Yeah. He had rallied his support. Right. Is that not analogous to what we see today in, in the, uh, the many... Uh, rallies that President Trump is having around the nation, including one in Kentucky this uh, uh, in the next few days, uh, it seems to have, uh, in many ways, solidified his support, strengthened his support. Yeah, I think his core base, um, these rallies do a couple of things. They embolden followers in ways that Willie's followers were emboldened, if we can draw analogies in that way or examples. But they also embolden him as a leader. Uh, every time he's under assault for something, whether it's the taxes, whether it's Russia, uh, whether it's Kavanaugh and everything, he goes on the offensive with these rallies. The scary part is that with all the information we have out there for people to be discerning and to critically examine the reality or the truth of what's going on, a lot of these people aren't even beginning to do that. They're accepting his word for it. That's something that when you talk about those hordes outside yelling, willy, 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 I think you can say we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Are you concerned about uh, young people, uh, about students, and their um, either lack of knowledge of the past mm -hmm. or of their disinterest in the present when it comes to sourcing news and learning what is factual? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think it's disinterest. I think it's um, they don't know how to determine what is 
true from what is manipulated truth, from what is exaggerated truth, from what's an outright lie. And I don't know that we really can blame them for that. You know, the old Pogo cartoon? You remember Pogo? We have met the enemy and it is us. Mm -hmm. We're to blame for a lot of this. We're to blame, and I, by us I mean society, not, not you and me necessarily, Bill, but all of us uh, to blame for this. We have gotten, we've gone from news was something everybody watched at a certain time of the evening. There were only three networks. That's what was on. When the president came on TV, that's what was on. When the wall-to-wall -wall coverage of a convention was on, that's what was on. To, oh, now we've got five or six channels. Do we have cable? Do we have uh, satellite TV? Do we have the internet? So when the news is on, and you even saw it with, with television, right? I remember in the 80s and 90s, they used to have the news briefs in, in between your favorite mm -hmm. sitcom mm -hmm. and the commercial, right? Mm -hmm. So we've shortened everything up to give you snippets of information, and we've shortened it even more now to where those snippets of information are coming in on your Facebook feed, and we don't even know if those snippets of information are coming from a reliable source or are being funded by in some cases, Russia, China, uh, you know, uh, Breitbart, MSNBC, yeah. CNN, who's putting on my feed? Because they're able to go through your computer as you're searching on news to find out what you might like and suggest something more to you. So a lot of it is our own fault. We, you know, the tribalism we see, we talk about tribal identities and going into our own um, identities and, and being with like-minded people, a lot of that is because we don't want to reach out to the other side. Now there's some serious questions to ask whether you can have a serious conversation with someone who is only getting real fake news, who doesn't start from the basis of the facts and the truth that are out there but who simply says, well, that, those facts are wrong. And, and how does a journalist handle this when they go and write a story and someone says, well, well, those facts are all made up. So everything you've put in that story, it doesn't matter. Those facts are all made up. Forget, you know, not just journalists, how do scholars? So I go and do research and I find the information and they say, well, that's made up. Of course, we all put biases on things. But it's out of control now, mm -hmm. and it's out of control at the highest office mm -hmm. because we have a leader who's supporting that. Mm -hmm. Feeding it. And, and, and feeding it. And, and it's, frankly, undermining mm -hmm. our democracy in many ways. Are, are you concerned that, um, that at, at rallies he calls out the media um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and in some ways uh, puts them uh, in, the, in, in the crosshairs? Yeah, and, 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 but I don't – let's not paint the media as always being the most glorious well, you know, folks. If we go back to Hamilton Jefferson, right, they, they used propaganda machines too. Yeah. But I think it is very scary, very scary when you have an individual attacking the media in the way that he attacks the media. Because the media has become, particularly post-Vietnam, it was a source of accountability and information and a way to maintain citizen engagement. Now, 
if he attacks the media and the only media you're supposed to go to is uh, if there's a Jack Burden who's gone you know, over and is no longer objective, if the only media I'm supposed to listen to is Sean Hannity, because all he does is spew out what Trump says, mm-hmm. um, we have no accountability. Because the average citizen can't look up all these things, mm-hmm. can't get all this information. Media was meant to be a source to provide some of this. And I always tell my students, I, I don't want you to look at one source of, mm-hmm. of news. Um, you know, I think some are better than others, and I'll be glad to tell you which. But I think you benefit from getting multiple sources of news. But when the news simply becomes a mouthpiece for a candidate, it's not news anymore. I think there's a great deal of personal responsibility uh, on uh, on all of us, uh, including students, mm-hmm. uh, to do a certain amount of work. Uh, it's not... Um, Democracy is not easy. No, it's not easy, and, and nor is finding uh, the, the, the source of a new uh, of a, uh, an item and, and doing the fact-checking yourself or yeah. going to a source that you, you trust, balancing that, as you said, with, uh, with other uh, sources. Uh, that's all important. Um, I'm talking to Professor Michael Cairo, uh, Associate Dean of Academic Affairs at Transylvania University and the moderator of our discussion uh, next Tuesday evening, the 16th of October mm-hmm. at 6.30 at uh, Transylvania and the Carrick Theater, where uh, I think the audience is going to be treated to a, um, a really intriguing look at the play. There were several stage adaptations that, uh, that Warren wrote. Uh, this is one of those. Uh, we're shrinking uh, three acts down to one, <laughs> so obviously there's uh, some left out. And then uh, Dr. Cairo will moderate a, a panel following the play reading uh, with uh, three uh, esteemed panel members. Uh, Mayor Jim Gray uh, will play what we are putting in the category of public figure. Linda Blackford, reporter for the Lexington Herald Leader, is the journalist. And Morris Manning of uh, the Transylvania University faculty and a Warren scholar is uh, playing himself, the scholar. <laughs> and uh, your questions will... Um, will, I think, uh, be uh, intriguing themselves in eliciting from the panel some information, uh, and then we'll take Q&A from the audience. So as we sum up here, uh, Dr. Cairo, I, I guess I'm, at, as, a, um, as someone who practiced this uh, uh, A-craft for, for a number of years, uh, unlicensed, by the way, yeah. that's, that's always yeah. brought up, I, I quite frankly find myself uh, quite troubled at this time about the future of mm-hmm. not only journalism, um, even in your role of, of teaching and trying to um, bring a young person along to not necessarily what you believe, but just to the facts. Yeah, I, I have, you know, I've often said I have no problem with us disagreeing about uh, an outcome uh, if we at least are talking about the same facts. You know, pe- reasonable people can disagree about health care. Reasonable people can disagree about tax policy and trade policy and, and uh, all other kinds of policies that we have um, out there, immigration being a big one today. But you can't have that reasonable discussion if everyone brings their own facts to the table and discards the actual facts. Uh, You know, if we become a society simply where you can make up whatever you want and argue that this is the truth, 
that's that's not a democracy. That's something very different. Uh, it's it's a thought experiment that is akin to uh, Orwell's 1984 to bring in another book. Mm -hmm. You know, if if we if we want to go in that direction, but so yeah, it it worries me a great deal. I I think it's very important that I try to stress this in the classroom and, you know, using different sources and getting the facts. What concerns me is, is that truth has become a lot like faith. You can't question someone's faith. And if I can't question someone's truth, then we have a big problem in democracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Final question um, about our program, our event uh, mm -hmm. here at Transylvania uh, next Tuesday evening, uh, the 16th. What one, just one, outcome yeah. would you like to look back on at the end of the panel discussion and, uh, and feel comfortable and, and proud that you were able to, uh, to do what you did? Uh, this might... Uh not be the thing that, that you'd think I'd say, but if people leave uncomfortable, that's a good thing, I think, because they've thought about some of the things we're raising. Uh, discomfort isn't always a bad thing because discomfort means you're challenging your own views, you're rethinking things that you thought before, you might uh, have thought, well, I'm really uh, opposed to X policy but you hear what people are saying and you start to think, well, maybe I've had it wrong all along. That's discomfort. Mm -hmm. You know, humans don't like that <laughs> because it means they might have to admit they're wrong. They might have to say they're sorry, right, in like, for being wrong about something that's, that's important out there. And I think, I think that isn't such a bad thing if we, if we were able to give some people that ability to say, yeah, you know, maybe I need to look at this differently. This is not a time in our democracy when you can tie it up in a neat little bow. And No. No, it's not. But democracy isn't something you can tie up in a neat little no, bow. I mean, I mean, democracy's always been messy. Um, I think that actually democracy is not only takes a lot of work, but takes a lot of, of an attention to values. You have to actually believe that democracy is a good thing. I think that we're losing some of that, that some people actually believe democracy's not so good. What's good is winning. Winning. I mean, at all, costs. at all costs, winning, being in uh, the majority, uh, leading and getting what I've wanted for 50 years and sticking it in the face of the other side. That's not democracy. That's the kind of thing that led to the Civil War. And I'm not saying we're on the brink of a mm -hmm. Civil War, but but that's troubling. So We look forward to... Um the discussion. All right. Well, thanks, Bill. Thank you. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. 
This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. <laughs>